Hey y'all. So when it comes to bodies, weight loss is not really something that I'm pursuing right now. But as you know, one of Vanessa's family members has been taking a GLP-1 medication and it's worked really well for him. So if that is part of your journey, you should check out the Roe Body Program. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Roe's partner handles all the insurance paperwork to help get the medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. Go to ro.co slash infamous. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash infamous. Campsite Media. From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Infamous. I'm Vanessa Gregoriadis, and you're listening to Episode 2 of The Body Man. I'm here with my co-host Gabriel Sherman, who went deep into Clinton world drama. He got the first major interview with Bill Clinton's right-hand man, Doug Band. If you haven't heard Episode 1 yet, go back and listen to it now. So when we left off, Doug had just orchestrated Bill Clinton's secret trip to North Korea to rescue an imprisoned journalist. Doug was on top of the world, hobnobbing with sheikhs, billionaires, prime ministers, celebrities. Rumor had it he even dated supermodel Naomi Campbell. But then came the 2008 election. Hillary was running in the primaries against Barack Obama. Bill was on the campaign trail, just loving his place in the spotlight again. And that's when the empire that Doug Band had built for himself began to unravel. So, like, let's talk about the 2008 election for a second and how that all went down with Doug Band, Hillary. Because things were not all right. Yeah. You talked about Ronald Reagan being a transformative political leader. I did not mention his name. So as Doug tells it, it was a disaster that Hillary ran for president. You know, you might think like, oh, your wife is running for president. It's going to only increase your power. But from Doug's point of view, it was only going to drag Bill Clinton back into the swamp of like partisan politics. And he had worked really hard to get Bill Clinton out of politics and into this kind of vaulted status as like a statesman, right? But Hillary did run for president and Bill Clinton is like a political animal. I mean, he loves the horse race. He loves campaigning. And once Hillary ran, Bill plunged in like headfirst and he just had total contempt for Obama. I think he like resented that Obama was a former state senator who had been in the U.S. Senate for, what, two years when he ran for president. You know, Bill Clinton was a governor of Arkansas. He had run for president twice. And just, you know, he felt like he had earned his place. And so he took on, (laughs) insanely, Bill Clinton took it on the role as Hillary's attack dog. It is wrong that Senator Obama got to go through 15 debates trumpeting his superior judgment when you said in 2004 there was no difference between you and George Bush on the war and you took that speech you're now running on off your website. This whole thing is the biggest fairy tale I've ever seen. He would go out and do like these scathing 
interviews about Obama, which is totally not the role of like the spouse of a Right. That's like the job of the flack. Or right, like, right, right. Just like dragged Clinton back into the muck. And newspapers started writing about all of the money he was making at the foundation. It looked like maybe people were trying to buy access to a future Hillary administration. Mm, right. And it just undid, you know, Doug was watching this like with horror because it was just undoing all of the work he had done. I mean, Doug told me this kind of amazing little nugget about how when Clinton left the White House... Doug negotiated these sit-down meetings with Richard Melanscaife, Roger Ailes, Chris Ruddy, who was uh, running Newsmax. I mean, Chris Ruddy wrote a book about how Hillary Clinton right. maybe killed Vince Foster, right? right? yeah. And then Bill Clinton is like having a private lunch with Chris Ruddy, and then Chris Ruddy becomes a donor to the Clinton Foundation. Right. So like... From Doug's point of view, he neutralized the vast right wing conspiracy, as Hillary said, against right. Bill. Yeah. And now suddenly Bill is just back into being this like democratic partisan. Yeah, he's back in his old like mold. Yeah. And then Hillary, you know, is just like red meat for those people. There's yeah. no way that they can fully move on, right? Yeah. From attacking and her. And then it never really I mean, that was sort of the beginning of the end of Clinton World because then, you know, when Hillary became Secretary of State. The Obama White House imposed all of these restrictions on Bill Clinton's fundraising and what speeches he could give because it looked it would look like, you know, people are trying to buy access to the State Department, even though, let's say, they say it's complete church and state. Like, just the optics are terrible. Like, right. you give Bill Clinton a million dollars to give a speech for 20 minutes, like, it looks like you're just trying to get in with Hillary. And then... When Hillary Clinton resigned from the Obama White House and decided to go into the private sector, she moves to New York and suddenly, you know, Doug is caught between Bill and Hillary and now Chelsea. And now Chelsea and Hillary are going to clean things up. Yeah. A lot of people sort of, you know, do the transactional thing, but few do it with some of the richest people in the world. So Chelsea comes to the foundation and she's like, I'm going to clean this place up. And Doug's like, clean it up. I was there. We, we rebuilt him into an incredible global phenomenon. I mean, yeah. He was going to the king of the world. And now that, you know, Hillary got some shit during the her campaign, like, you're taking the higher... I don't know. It was just, mm-hmm. like, levels of hypocrisy. They all thought the other were more corrupt than themselves. Right. And that's just, like, it's never going to end well. With Chelsea and Hillary back in the fold, the stage was set for a confrontation between the man who helped build an empire and the family he was supposed to be building it for. That's after the break. I've always struggled with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com infamous. That's rocketmoney.com infamous. rocketmoney.com infamous. 
Back in the 90s, Pepsi and Coca-Cola were in a heated race to try and win loyal customers by any means necessary. But when Pepsi launched an ambitious promotion that encouraged people to buy Pepsi and redeem points for prizes, they overlooked their own fine print in a major way. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question. Who thought this was a good idea? Like, who at Pepsi thought it would be a good idea to advertise that people could earn enough points to redeem a military jet as a prize? When they launched their Pepsi points system, they never imagined somebody might actually try to snag it. But a 23-year-old did. And suddenly, Pepsi owed him a jet. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You're listening to Infamous from Campside Media. So the Civil War is basically Chelsea versus Doug. Old Bill is represented by Doug. So Doug sort of thinks of Chelsea as jealous of him, basically, right? In Doug's mind, which I found so interesting, in Doug's mind, he's the surrogate son that Clinton's never, that that Bill Clinton never had, right? So he's got like this pride of place. And Chelsea, you know, to him is like, not only like the, you know, sort of gawky 13-year-old that she was when she went into the White House, but she is not self-made. People like Doug look at Chelsea and they just see like a rich girl who's totally lost, right? Like she went to McKinsey for a little while, then she went to grad school and then she worked at a hedge fund and now she's writing children's books. Doug felt like this is just your latest little like gambit. I believe in sort of the building yourself and being self-made. And, and you know, um, I think when these like someone like Chelsea came on the scene and you know, and the decisions and how everyone was scared of her and did what she wanted. Doug is quoted as writing that Chelsea was a spoiled brat kid. He says, she's acting like a spoiled brat kid who has nothing else to do but create issues to justify what she's doing because she, as she has said, hasn't found her way and has a lack of focus in her life. And it just put onto the record, like in vivid display, like how petty and ruthless and personal this conflict had become. And then you add a layer to this is that he thought that Bill Clinton, basically out of guilt for his infidelities and fucking up their marriage, let Chelsea have whatever she wanted, you know, gave her millions of dollars for an apartment and let her come back to the foundation. And there's this amazing scene in the piece where Doug has dinner with Clinton in Dubai. They're on some, you know, some business trip. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, not remunerated, of yeah. course. I mean, why? you and, know, when you go to Dubai, it's really never about the money. And that Doug tells Clinton to his face that that Bill was allowing Chelsea to destroy Doug's reputation because deep down, Bill was guilty for cheating on Hillary and causing Chelsea so much pain. And then Doug said the unsayable, which is, um, I mean, this is like if you were writing the movie, it's incredible. He would say that if Bill wants to have girlfriends, just divorce Hillary. Like, just there's no harm in that. But like staying in this marriage and like feeling guilty and throwing money at your daughter, that's not the honorable thing to do. And that's like, that's where the relationship was irreparable. I think one thing that the, the Doug Van story shows is that it was when the dynasty was clear that it was running out, like everyone was just sort of, um, looking out for themselves, right? It's just like, you know, pigs at the trough. Like, let me just get mine.
Anybody who has a sibling knows that sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope, on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince Harry and Prince William. They'd been each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wandry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle? Or was it something that began much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wandery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to True Spies, the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark, it's appeared Bin Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Infamous from Campside Media. In Dubai, Doug Band had finally drawn a line in the sand with Bill Clinton. Doug told him that he essentially had to choose between him or his wife and daughter. It was an ultimatum that had been years in the making. And if it all went down the way we think it did, it was an objectively dumb ultimatum at that. Of course Bill sided with his family. And Doug was now on his way out. And that was definitely chum in the water for a journalist like Gabe. I got a call out of the blue from a friend of Doug Bands, who's a Democratic operative, who said that basically there's this untold story of how Doug Band had this sideline career as a freelance hostage negotiator, and that he had done all these things, had gotten several high-profile Americans released from really horrible circumstances abroad, got them out of jail and returned home, and no one had known about it. And it was just this like really cool story of this powerful guy in New York who was on the side playing James Bond. I was like, okay, that's an interesting story. Well, we need to really tell the story of who Doug Band is. And Doug really did not want to revisit his years with Bill Clinton. He had kind of psychologically and professionally moved on. But I, you know, over time, I said, listen, I can't write this story about your work as a hostage negotiator without the context of how you got that power. I mean, the only reason you know who to call in the foreign ministry of such country is because you met them through Bill Clinton. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, Doug sort of starts to stop. Sometimes he forgets how he ended up there, right. like, almost like by his own. Like, no, you weren't elected president. You were like <laughs> the guy carrying the president's yeah, bag. It's very all about ease. Yeah. So the first meeting was in his office at Taneo, which I was struck by because for someone who had so much bottled up animosity towards the Clintons, 
his office was a shrine to Bill Clinton. Like, <laughs> oh it looks like a wing of Bill Clinton's presidential library. There's like these just like glamour photos of Bill Clinton meeting Bono and Bill Clinton meeting, you know, Tiger Woods and Bill Clinton meeting, I, you know, yeah, Tony Blair. You got to use what you got. I and, mean, that's and, you know, what's the... great is like in these photos, you see like off camera, like in the corner, like there's Doug. Like, there's, <laughs> it's like, what's that children's book? Where's, where's Waldo? Waldo? Yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah. I was like playing like, where's Doug in these photos? <laughs> he's just the guy who's like off camera, but is there for every fucking meeting. And so it was like this really kind of awkward conversation because Doug had never done this before. Like he and I take him at his word, like he really had never sat with a reporter and started to talk about himself, like in a real way. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, he's been a background source for countless people. When you think about all the scandals of Clinton's post presidency, whether it's Jeffrey Epstein or the foundation or what have you, you know, Doug Band was the symbol of that. Tonight we take a closer look at the man who essentially rebuilt a former president's brand after the Monica Lewinsky scandal and impeachment. Doug Band taking credit for generating money for Bill Clinton by arranging paid speeches and leveraging contacts with corporations that donate to the Clinton Foundation. And so I think he had never given any interviews, I think partly because the mystique is what gave him power. It was awkward and stilted and it you know at first he didn't really want to talk about the Clintons and I think the first conversation was even on background and just to get to know each mm-hmm. other and it just developed from there. Is there one final rupture between you two or is just a slow drifting apart? Between me and, you and Bill. The kid? No. No, he and I are always fine. I yeah. mean, it's not that I uh, our relationship will be fine. We Yeah. T- I just avoid I really try to avoid well, all yeah. of it. So um <laughs> so it really took a long time and then just snowballed. And I think it was, obviously, I can't speak for him, but just my sense of being in the room with him, it was cathartic, I think. What's your relationship like with Bill these days? Talked to him in years. Really? Years. Um, Many, many years. I mean, it was my life for almost 20 years. So it's not like, um, you know, I don't run away from it or run towards it. I'm totally out of politics. I have nothing to do with. So when I talked to a friend of mine who is a, uh, you know, a guy in politics, he said his first thought when he read the piece was, holy shit. And then his second thought was, why the hell did Doug Band do this? Like, why did he do this? Like, what was the play? Taneo, the the public relations firm and strategy firm he founded, was valued at like $700 million. He was fabulously wealthy and I think had the kind of money where he could do whatever he wanted. I don't think there was a strategy per se, other than like, you know, if Bill Clinton and Chelsea Clinton hated him after this, like he didn't need them anymore. I think think also partly what I saw in writing this piece was that it was kind of the end of Clinton world because Doug Ban didn't fear the repercussions of the Clintons after this. And that really, to me, was a symbol of like, he's such a student of power. If he's not scared of the Clintons anymore, like they're not relevant in terms of their ability to like shape politics and right. business and culture. Yeah, yeah. Like it was it, to me, it was a little bit of like an obituary right. for Clinton world. Nothing to do with the whole world. It was a great. Yeah, it was like the best thing that ever happened to me leaving there. I wish I would have done it sooner. If you didn't quite hear that, that's Doug Band saying he has nothing to do with that world anymore, and the best thing to happen was him leaving it. And then, what was really fascinating was like months into the interviews. We started emailing and I started like writing him questions on email and he would just write these multi-paragraph responses. It was almost like it was he was writing a memoir, right? Like I was drawing out these memories he had. 
And so that went on for a while. And then and then what happened after that in terms of the reporting? Uh, then what happened was the piece came out and I never heard from him again. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> OK, well, I mean, something also happened to him. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, he did leave. He left his job at Taneo. And I think he had already been sort of checked out. I think partly he was doing this piece because he was not that involved day to day. I don't think he wanted to leave the company by any mm-hmm. means. But yeah, he uh, he left. Yeah, it was very sudden. So yeah, so six days after the story comes out, Doug leaves Teneo. And I haven't heard from him since. So when you do a deep, as you know, Vanessa, when you, when you do like a deep dive profile, it's kind of like, it's really weird afterwards because it's like so intimate, right. but the relationship is not close. Like we're not friends. So then the other thing my friend said is, is he was like, you fucking blew this entire bridge up. Mm-hmm. And the clients of Teneo are like, these are not great guys, right? These are like oil company, company guys. Yeah, chemical CEOs. Right, exactly. And they were like, wait a second. <laughs> like, what if- does this guy know about us? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like if he's going to throw like a former president under the bus, what's he going to say about us down the line? I know. I mean, it is... It is like that's the double edged sword of getting to being the like advisor to the king is that, you know, all the secrets. But the minute you share the secrets, you're you're out. The mistake Doug made is, is like you at the end of the day, when you're in a family business and the Clinton Clinton world is a family business, family's going to win every single time. Yeah. The idea that he could go up against Chelsea and try to drive a wedge between Bill and his daughter is like. That is a little bit of the tragedy of Doug Band because it's the it's such a fundamental misreading of power, right? This is a guy that climbed to the pinnacle of the entire world power industrial complex because he knew how these relationships worked. But the one relationship that mattered most with Bill, he couldn't even figure out. I yeah, mean, I know. it's it such a blind spot. Such a blind spot. Infamous is created, executive produced, and hosted by Gabriel Sherman and me, Vanessa Gregoriadis. Shoshi Shmolvitz is our managing producer and editor, and this episode was produced by Rajiv Gola. Production support by Grace Hureman, Lily Houston-Smith, and Natalie Robamed. David Devereaux is our sound designer. Ewen Lai Tremuen is our recordist. Doug Band spoke with Gabe for a Vanity Fair magazine feature where some of this reporting appeared, but he was not interviewed again for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.